Uh, and when I hire, Harmi, this is uh, something that I look at when I hire. Uh, I'm not hiring necessarily for skill. I'm hiring uh, for attitude and fit. Uh, so does the individual have the attitude I'm looking for? That winning attitude, that connectedness attitude, uh, that attitude, that, uh, that solution-oriented attitude, right? Um, that's always hungry, that's always looking for the next way to do it better, the next way to connect better. Um, and, then, and then the fit, right? I mean, I, I, want, I need somebody that's going to work with me that we can align on values, that we can align on what it means to be an incredible organization or an incredible leader. And then um, I, we, I can teach and train you how to do the job, but I can't teach and train you how to have a good attitude and be the right fit. This is episode number 15 of Hustle with Harmeet, and you will be listening to my conversation with Dan Irwin, a sales and operations consultant, a leader, as well as a professional speaker. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh, and I'm your host for this show. Every week, I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Dan Irwin. Dan is a high-energy, fun-loving leader, consultant, motivator, and public speaker whose valuable insights and relatable stories of success and passion consistently set up entrepreneurs and employees across the nation for personal and professional growth. As a former CEO and COO, Dan helps leaders remove distractions so that they can lead intentional, fulfilled, and meaningful lives. His popular presentations and trainings offer structure, fun, and best practices that are both thought-provoking and buck the age-old mentality of, this is how it's always been done. Too often, we become uber-focused on being busy and ultimately lose sight of our goals. Dan's thoughts and ideas get you back on track. Dan's message will have you laugh and cheer, and his personality will convince you to stop taking life so seriously. His fan base is growing, but his biggest fans continue to be his wife and three children. In today's episode, Dan has shared his insights on his journey from being a gas station employee to the chief operating officer for a cybersecurity audit firm, his insights on how leaders deal with failures, evolution of thought process when you transition from an employee to a leader, how leaders nurture relationship within an organization, Goal-setting strategies followed by leaders. How leaders develop processes that sustain over time. Understanding how leaders resolve deadlock through a case study scenario. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number 15. Hi, everyone. So today we have the one and only Dan Irwin in the house. Welcome to the show, Dan. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you inviting me on. Thanks, Dan. So I have known Dan for a few months now. The first time I talked to him, my initial impressions, my initial thoughts were, Dan is a very detail-oriented person, someone who adheres to the processes and if I could put it another way Dan seemed like a very systematic person and he's also someone who believes that it's important to find ways to be a disruptor in leading others by challenging new ideas and traditional practices to rethink how we interact self-develop and achieve but Dan before you share with us more about your background where you come from and all the amazing work which you're currently doing, why don't you take us back from where it all started? Your journey from being a gas station employee to the chief <laughs> operating officer of a reputed firm. Yeah, I just uh, I just got really lucky and it happened. 
No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a, a series of uh, extremely uh, intentional lesson learning opportunities, right? And just and and I think that there is certainly uh, some some level of luck in there, even though I was joking there in the beginning. But uh, there's also just uh, putting yourself in the right places at the right times with the right mindsets. Right. Um, and, and also then connecting with um, individuals that can help you uh, level yourself up. Right. And uh, there's a saying that uh, you are the average of your friend group. Right. So if you look at your closest three or five friends, uh, whoever those people are in your life, you're the average of them. Uh, and so if that excites you, then great. That's awesome. If that um, stresses you out or, or makes you rethink your friend group, maybe that's also a good thing. But um, I, I know for me, uh, what it really uh, has come to is that uh, I've been able to have these pivotal points in my life that have really shaped the direction that I, I eventually went and then uh, to where I am today. Um, and certainly, uh, a lot of that was a, a personal journey, personal decisions, uh, personal things in my life that I had to change, that I had to rethink, that I had to get motivated around. Uh, and then the, there's another part of that was it was people around me that were really um, supporting me, challenging me, um, and helping me uh, grow uh, in the different roles that I had. So, um, and, and and then the other component to that too, I mean, is that. Um, there hasn't been an opportunity that I've had um, in my journey and where I am today that I haven't been able to take something from it and learn from it and grow from it, right? And so I think that oftentimes we may look at our past experiences and say, um, oh, that was a waste of my time. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was just buying time in that, in that seasonality of life or that seasonality of my career. Uh, but when we're able to actually flip that around and say, what did I take from that? What can I learn from that? And how can I uh, better myself? I think that's the, really the approach that I've kind of taken in the various roles that I've had. So, yes, many, many years ago, I started off as a gas station uh, employee. Um, and for me, it's always been uh, there's been this central theme as me uh, as an employee or a worker is that I may not be the smartest guy in the room. Um, in fact, most times I don't think I am, uh, but I know for with, I know without a doubt that I will outwork everybody in the room, or at least I will have that mindset, right? I have certainly had the opportunity to work with people that are just phenomenal. Um, and, and that definitely challenge me on the work ethic side. Uh, but I want to go into situations at least with that mindset of I'm going to just work my tail off and, and be the best employee that I can be here um, in a variety of ways, not just uh, uh, boots on the ground and trying to work as hard as I can, but also how can I make things better? How can I make things more efficient, uh, which has really been kind of a guiding principle in the different positions I've had is that um, I've always looked at, okay, how can we do what we're currently doing better? And so those are some of the mindsets that I, I've certainly have gone through um, in the various roles that I've had. Um, and then I think what I would add to that is, you know, just always having a willingness uh, to be taught, uh, to want to learn. Um, if I could for a second, I have a story and, and I'll make it brief, but I had a mentor in my life years ago that um, I looked up to him. He was the pinnacle uh, point of what I thought a leader was. Right. He, he had a team. The team loved him. He communicated well with them. The team was performing. Uh, they had fun at work, outside of work. Uh, he was just kind of you look. It's one of those people. I'm sure, you know, we all have those people in our life. We look at them and we just emulate them. Right. We, we think, man, they got it all together. They've learned uh, everything there right. is to learn. And for, and for me, in this particular situation, it was everything there is to learn in leadership. He's just like an incredible leader. I wanted to be just like him. And I remember at one point in time, he told me, he said um, that the way that he looked at leadership is, is that he still wanted to be a student of leadership. And I thought he was the master. <laughs> uh, and so uh, he viewed leadership as a student. And so that's always something that I've carried along with me is that I want to continue to be a student of the process. I don't ever want to consider myself as uh, an expert or, a, or, or have mastered the process, uh, but consistently look at ways that I can become better.
so dan what really worked for you was this mindset this perspective that i'm a leader right now but at the heart i'm a student i'm a constant learner right uh, so dan can you share something with us uh, what kind of role did you play when you were holding a critical position of that of a leader yeah so uh for me there's there's definitely definitely the tactical part of the position right <laughs> and and what i would consider that to be is the job description right so that's written down these are the expectations that we have it, for anyone that was in this position right and so there's that component to any position to any job and i think what actually falls flat with a lot of leaders is that that's where they get their leadership direction from they look at their job description and say this is what it means to be a leader in this organization and as long as i follow these bullet points on this job description i'm now the leader well <laughs> that to me is like the starting block that's not even uh, close to what it actually means to lead the organization and so um and 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 i guess another way to look at that is that that is the bare minimum uh that um an employee of that organization should be doing not a leader but an employee of the organization and so for me that's really been the 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 mindset that i've gone uh when i've had those um kind of traditional leadership titles and i i don't even know if i'd consider those like a ceo to coo a leadership title it's really a management title um right. and, and so a, a leadership title really for me uh is is then going beyond that and so the ways that i focused in on that was really uh one of the ways i should say is the people and the culture um i firmly believe that um if you can hire retain motivate develop um incredibly great people um that's the difference maker in any organization and we see that all over the place right we see um teams that um and, and you know just look at various um uh executives right when 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 high level executives move to a different company um who do they bring along with them their team <laughs> the team that they were working at bef- with before um yeah. not because there's a familiarity there but also it's because um that's what drove the success before you know and so for me that's really been i've done that myself in in various roles is that when i've taken on a new position it was um i know that i'm looking who i'm looking for and what i'm looking for uh, and when i hire harmy this is uh, something that i look at when i hire uh, i'm not hiring necessarily for skill i'm hiring uh for attitude and fit uh so does the individual have the attitude i'm looking for that winning attitude that connectedness attitude uh that attitude that uh, that solution oriented attitude right um that's always hungry that's always looking for um the next way to do it better the next way to connect better um and then and then the fit right i mean i i want i need somebody that's going to work with me that we can align on values that we can align on what it means to be an incredible organization or an incredible leader and then um we i can teach and train you how to do the job but i can't teach and train you how to have a good attitude and be the right fit yeah now this really reminds me of an incredible book which i read some time back called the ultimate sales machine by chet homes where he talks about you know uh the leaders they're always on the lookout for hiring the best sales people they're always on the lookout for hiring the best attitude in the market so as a leader he says you know that when he used to walk on the restaurants uh maybe on a subway or anywhere he was always open to hire the people for his sales team provided he found that right fit and right attitude you know because if you have these two things in place you can be trained 100% yeah and just because you have sales on your resume doesn't make you a great salesperson uh, some of the most incredible people that i've seen that accelerated themselves in the sales teams that i've worked with in the past had never done sales before <laughs> and so uh, you know I, i i jokingly say but i mean this is that um you know all of us are in sales um it, it, i could just point at probably a few things that most of us have already done today that proves that we're in sales. Uh you know, for anyone that anyone out there that has kids, guess what? You're in sales. 
<laughs> anyone that has a spouse or a significant other, you're in sales, right? And, and yeah. so it's just how we frame sales. Unfortunately, and this is something that I've worked on uh, doing with the different teams that I've worked with, is that uh, sales has kind of become this um, blacklisted word sometimes to people like, oh, I don't want to be in sales. I, I don't want anything to do with sales, right? Sales is the, and then we immediately go to that uh, whatever bad sales experience we've had in the past, right? Yeah, uh, and, right. and oftentimes here in the States, we we uh, we refer to like the used car salesman. Um, and and I've been, you know, when sales is done well, it, it's just a phenomenal experience. Like I like to be sold to. I don't know about you, Hermie, but I actually like the process because when it's done well, it's an enjo enjoyable experience. Absolutely. And as someone rightly uh, put it, you know, Everything you do in life is sales and whatever you earn back is a commission. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. So Dan, uh, when a person is in a leadership position, every day, every week, every month, they encounter challenges and problems. And whenever there are challenges and problems, some of them result in success while others into failures. How did you deal with failures while being in leadership? Yeah, for me, it's really about communication. Um, I wanted to go into any situation, uh, first of all, with uh, just the mindset of uh, whatever the expected outcome is. Um, and then if this doesn't work out, what is plan B, maybe plan C as well, right? And so, um, but we're all going into it saying this, these are our intentions. Um, I'm not hiding any of that from my team. I'm not saying... Um, and I have worked for managers in the past that have said, uh, you know, the goal is to be at X, uh, but I'm going to tell the team that the goal is X plus five, <laughs> right? Hmm. Or X plus something. Um, and because I want them to be shooting for the plus number. And if they fall short of the plus number, at least we hit the X. Does that make sense? Sorry. Hmm. Hopefully that makes no, sense. And I, I get um, where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't, um, that's not the, that's not the method I take. Uh, I, I want the team to know that this is the goal. The goal is X. Uh, I'm hmm. not padding the number. I'm not uh, trying to trick you. <laughs> I want you to be on the same playing field as me. I want you to know what's at stake. I want you to know what we're all shooting for. I don't want to have to play a game with you where I have to remember whatever it is that I told you. <laughs> I want like us to be aligned. Ace and ace. Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're not here to play mind games. We're here to uh, exceed uh, or at least meet, if not exceed, a common understanding of what the goal is. And so uh, a lot of um, and your question was around not meeting the goal or failing to meet the goal, um, is that if we were to, if we failed to meet the goal, we all had the understanding that we failed to meet the goal. There wasn't some misunderstanding. Everyone was on the same page. Um, but a, a part of that process too is, is not setting the goal and then saying, okay, and we need to hit this goal in three months and then I'm going to circle back with you. You know, a lot of it is this consistent flow of communication of how we're progressing towards the goal. Uh, and, and oftentimes what we're able to do in that consistent uh, communication uh, feedback loop, if you will, is that we're able to make adjustments on the go because now it's just not Dan trying to figure out the solution that we need to hit in three months. It's the entire team figuring out the solution and what levers can we pull and what things can we change in order to maybe adjust the goal based on where we're already seeing and what, what the trends are. Right. And so um, oftentimes it's not, OK, well, in three months, we need to be at this level um, and I'll check back with you and we'll see how we get there. No, it's the team saying, hey, we're, we're already we're already progressing ahead of plan. Maybe we need to adjust. So for me, it's been a lot of times is that the goal adjusts based on the feedback that we're getting in real time. Um, and then, you know, in, in the cases that it doesn't, it maybe adjusts and we have to adjust it down. And so we really fell short potentially. Um, it's really, uh, in, in my experience, has kind of been a process where we went through an after action review. This is something that, uh, at least here in the States, you often hear at the military. They'll, they'll, uh, it's kind of a formal process where they'll do an after action review, uh, where basically you're going in and looking at all the components of from the planning process to the execution process um, and really what can you glean 
from that experience, right? Um, right. It's really about being able to take the learning lessons out of it. Uh, and so that way we can make better decisions in the future. I, I, I've been guilty of shooting too high <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> you know, that, that I want to, I want to hit this high goal. And I do that in my personal life too, is that I set really high goals. Um, and then, but for me, that's then I, then I adjust on the fly. Like I don't make the goal kind of this, um, end all because what happens when we do that, when we make the goal an end all, we're saying it's black and white. It's this or that. Either we hit it or we don't. And I don't think success falls on hitting a very specific goal. I think success comes within growing towards reaching that goal. Right. Uh, so, Dan, since we d- talked about uh, how leaders deal with failures, you know, if I s- uh, shift this question slightly towards the thought process. So, when you transition from an employee to a leader, how does the thought process actually change? Ten years back, you know, when when you're just an employee, a manager contributing, you know, you had some problems, setbacks, failures in the company. You come back to your house in the evening, right? You're sitting on the couch. At the same time, right next to your house, there's another person. He's a leader. He comes back from his office, had some failures, had some setbacks in the morning. Now he's also sitting in the couch, let's say in the evening, right? So there are two different people, an employee who has encountered failures and, an, and a leader who has encountered failures. What exactly goes through the mind of these two people, which really differentiates an employee from a leader? A couple thoughts on that. I, th- I think we, um, as individuals, do a disservice to ourselves when we categorize ourselves um, as just an employee or contributor. Um, And then equally as much, I think leadership in the formal um, version of that in organizations do a disservice to their teams uh, when they talk to them as employees or contributors only. Uh, Because oftentimes what we do is that, again, I'll go back to my analogy earlier, is that we look at our job descriptions and we say, well, this is who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's just the black and white version of what the company is looking for to, 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 for, for someone to fill that spot on the, on the team. Who you are is way more than that. And until we get it in our minds that uh, we're not contributor, just contributors, we're not just employees, um, that when we accept positions and organizations, we immediately become shareholders of that organizations. Um, and, and so when we look at it from that perspective, um, we then, we, th- I think we have a completely different uh, thought. There is a completely different thought process on what that day to day looks like. Um, and, and how, uh, and so for me, it's really, how do I get myself in this consistent form of ownership mindset? Uh, because, um, if I'm not thinking that way, for me, it triggers something. It means that I'm in the wrong environment. Is that I don't believe in whatever it is that's happening. I don't believe in the organization. I don't believe in the leadership that's at the organization. And so I've got to find something else <laughs> because I want to be in an environment that I can feel like I have an ownership stake. And so there's a lot of components of that, Hermit, right? It's not only just my uh, mental capacity capability to think that direction, but it's also the leadership, the formal leadership positions that help foster that environment, right? Um, And so I always want to be in an environment working with others that have that common thought, that have that common value is what we were going back earlier, right? I want to work with people that have similar values and and think the same way that I do. Uh, And so And so for me, it's really about a mindset shift because if I'm sitting on the couch at the end of the night and next door, the leader sitting on the couch and we work at the same organization, we experience failure in my mind, we have the same thought process. Um, You know, it's not that I'm thinking I'm less, maybe on paper in a hierarchy structure in in the company's uh, (laughs) uh, scheme of what all the positions look like, I'm lower than his position, uh, but he's just a person filling a seat at a company. But our mindsets should be aligned, right? We should be, have that ownership. So um, I, I say all that to say, 
um, that you know we we all have to have the the shareholder ownership approach in our organizations, in the work that we're doing. And, and the funny thing is, is that there's probably people that are listening to this that are saying, well, I don't feel that way. I would challenge you that either one of two things. One, you're not in the right environment um, uh, and you don't have the right leadership or there's things going on in your own personal journey that you need to start strengthening and providing support around so you can elevate your mindset to get to that point. So it's also about not just limiting your work to the job description, become more than just a paycheck leader. Yeah, I mean, unless, um, but here's, here's the sad part about that, is that most people don't want to do that. <laughs> and and, uh, and I should, I, maybe I shouldn't say most. I, I, maybe it's that there's always going to be people out there that don't want to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. And I suppose, I suppose on the other side of that coin is that there's always going to be organizations that are going to be okay with people feeling that way. Well, I'll tell you, right. And so, but so in my experience is that, um, and who I want to be and having that growth mindset and wanting to constantly look at things as a student, right. And constantly be developing myself I, and, and being the average <laughs> of the people around me. I want to constantly be looking for environments to level up, to go to the next step to, that are going to challenge me in the direction that I'm challenging myself. And so because those are always going to exist, A, I want to align myself with organizations that uh, aren't like that. And B, if I'm on the hiring side of it, I want to fill the spots, fill the seats on my team with people that um, align with the way that I'm thinking that aren't in the well, this is the job description of meeting the minimum expectations. That's fine. You know, I mean, I think there are com there are organizations and positions out there that are saying, uh, these are the minimum expectations. And people are saying, okay, I'll meet those expectations. That's fantastic. I mean, what's better than meeting the expectation? You told me to do X, I did X. And so uh, there are definitely companies and organizations and positions out there that are looking for exactly that. I'm not. I'm looking for people that say, I see what you expect of me. Um, and it's not enough for me just because of the way that I look at how I want to be as an individual. And so I'm always going to be striving for more. Yeah. So it's like your leaders always look for people who outperform their paychecks. I mean, I think great leaders do. Uh, yeah. I think exceptional leaders do. I think intentional leaders look for people that are saying, yep, I see what you want me to do here and I'm going to raise you. <laughs> <laughs> and and give you a raise as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Great. So so Dan, you have worked uh, in various roles, you know, and being a leader, there are times on a daily basis when you have to interact with people from, let's say, sales team, the marketing team, the operations team, right? So you have to have good relations on all the fronts. So being a leader, how do you nurture good relationships in an organization? So aligning with uh, what we were talking about earlier, which is hiring people that align with your values and, and goals and, and mindset, um, uh, also then uh, contributes to this other mindset, right? Like how do you continue to nurture the environment that, um, that you want, that you're looking for? And, um, and so one of the ways that I do that is that I, I try to constantly put myself um, in other people's positions. Right. And so what are what is it from their perspective that they're seeing that the actions that I'm taking um, are, are they uh, receiving it the way that I'm intending it um, for someone like me? It depends on also how you in, how you lead individually. For me, I am very <laughs> I, uh, my default position is to be an introvert. And a lot of people would say, um, well, you know, because of a lot of the speaking that I do and, and some of the work that I do, they're like, there's no way you're an introvert. No, I am 100%. Um, I have to force myself. And so I, some of the goals every year that I set for myself are putting myself out there and pushing beyond my boundaries because I know that's what I love doing the most. Uh, but it also, to some degree, scares me the most. <laughs> so in a leadership, because I know that about myself, one of the things that I have to be very intentional about in leadership is over communicating. Uh, because I can very much get into the mindset of this is how I operate. I operate in a tell me once and I'll go do it. 
Um, and then I don't need to circle back and I don't need to check in and I don't need to know the progress. I'll just go and do it probably faster than what you asked me to do it. <laughs> but right. that's me. That's me. That's not everyone else. And so, you know, this is just one example. But I, so I know that I have to be I have to just push myself to be more communicative. Uh, for me, it's really um you know, until my team can start repeating back to me um, the goals and the vision and the focus that I have for the organization and for the team, until they can start repeating it back to me, I probably have only said it half as much as I need to. Right. And so I just got to constantly be inundating them with the vision, the goals, the direction, the energy, the excitement. And so to answer your question, it's really about knowing who I am or a leader, knowing who they are, uh, knowing what their strengths are, knowing what their weaknesses are, and then um, really playing on the strengths. Right. And then overcoming the weaknesses, because the flip side of that coin is that my strengths, um, uh, one of my strengths is really about one on one connection. And so when I'm able to be in a room with someone one-on-one, really listening to them, understanding them, providing solutions, um, I double down on that type of stuff, right? And so one of the things that I've consistently done in, the, in all of the roles that I've had is that I have consistent one-on-one meetings with my team, uh, with my leaders in my, in my organizations, uh, where they know what's expected of them. It's the same time every week. They know what to come and prepared with. Um, and there's always a buffer time in that time frame that we're talking about them and how things are going and, um, how things are going maybe in their personal lives or whatever they want to share to that extreme. Yeah. But there's, yeah. there's going to be this consistent time to check in. I think that's such an important component in any organization and any leadership is that you give your team dedicated time with you so they can unload, right? So they can kind of, so they can kind of put the walls down. They can open their hearts out. Yeah. And it, and, and it can be uncomfortable at first if you're not used to kind of asking some of those, um, you know, personal questions. And what I mean by personal is like, Hey, how's life going? Yeah, <laughs> and and, and yeah, kind of yeah. let them answer that because, and then I will even challenge it if, if cause oftentimes I've worked with people where I say, Hey, how, you know, how is life going? How's life just things in general? And then they immediately go back to the work stuff. Well, you know, we got this project and this project and this project. And then, and then I have to challenge them to say, yeah, I know we talked about that. Tell me about the home stuff. Like what's stressing you out? What's keeping you up at night? What's, what's, what's making you not uh, be able to focus here? Is there something I can help you with? And, yeah. and maybe, maybe their answer that first time around is nothing because they're just off put by the question. But if you're consistent with that approach, um, I think it helps build a, a, a fuller relationship with the individual. Right. This is so true, Dan. If I could share something from my perspective also here with you. When I got into sales, you know, seven years back, uh, my initial role model, my initial mentor in the organization that point in time, he was my boss. So you know, whenever we used to go on buddy calls together to meet clients, he used to ask, okay, Harmi, tell me how's life, how's everything what's going on in life so i never could fully comprehend and understand as to why he's asking me all that stuff but after two three meetings i finally opened up first i thought that maybe he's just making it up just asking for the sake of it but eventually i realized that you know every time i'm around him he's genuinely interested as to what's going on in my life and he never asked me about okay how much target you're going to do her meet what's the numbers you're going to achieve whenever you know, i'm going on a calls with him i'm driving with him he's sitting next to me he's always concerned okay okay how's your mom how's your dad you know how's everything so slowly i realized that that's what maybe truly does do yeah i love that story you know the fact that you can sit here today and however long ago that was and recall that experience uh, speaks to that individual's leadership. You know, we when we work for employers, uh, we don't come to them as partial people. We come to them as whole people. We're whole individuals. And we have lives, we have families, we have stresses, we have things going on. And, and to be a great leader means that you recognize someone for who they wholly are, not just who they partially are. Are. So Dan, taking this uh, conversation ahead with you, I want to talk to you about something which is very close to your heart and it's called goal setting. So want to understand your perspective on this, Dan, how do leaders look at goal setting or maybe if I could put it another way, 
what kind of goal strategies, the goal setting strategies are used by leaders? So, I mean, we, we could probably, not probably, I could spend an hour, maybe five hours with you on this topic because it's so, um, I am a serial goal setter and goal achiever. <laughs> okay. Uh, it sounded like I'm a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yeah, no. Uh, and so I firmly believe in the goal setting process. Um, it, really any goal setting process. And then if you can, if we can just get into the habit of setting goals, then we can make the process better, but we have to be in the habit first. Right. And so even if it's just, uh, I got, I'm just setting this one goal, but every day you just get into the process and the habit of it. Well, then we can make it better over time. But so for me, I, I've been in this habit now for decade <laughs> for a long time. And so <clears throat> one of the hacks I would share uh, is that this is, and I still do this, and I do this every day and I've done it for years, is that every single day I set three success indicators, three daily success indicators, right? And so what that means is that uh, every single day I'm looking at my calendar, I'm looking at what I have going on for the day uh, and I'm saying, okay, if everything goes terrible today and everything goes bad, as long as if I get these three things done, yeah. today will be a success All right. and I will view it as a success because here's what often happens. Uh, a couple thoughts on that. One is that, and, and let me back up for a second also and say, uh, most days I, I'm getting 10, 20, 30 things done. Right. Uh, but if I can get the three things, because I've identified that those are the most important three things that are going to help me pro and progress myself towards the goals that I have. Um, and so I get that clarity early in the day. Um, and there's been times where I haven't even touched those three things and it's five or six o'clock in the evening <laughs> and because I had so many other things going on. But now I got to buckle down and actually get those things done because I told myself that these are the most important things for the day. Um, and so. Uh, and so what that does is, again, that creates clarity and creates success benchmarks for me uh, for the day. And so I do that literally every single day. Um, I could show you right now. I have the three things written down for today already right here in front of me. Right. Okay. And so and I check them off as I get them. So that's one of the things every day I'm identifying what today's success is going to look like. Because what I was going to say earlier is the other thing, yeah. what happens to us is that we may end up getting, again, 20, 10, 20, 30, 30 things done today. Uh, but because we didn't write it down or identify it or really think about it, we, we focus in on the one thing that didn't go well. And we say today was a failure. Uh, so Dan, can you give us an example, maybe what kind of statements did you write today? How big or how complex or how simple one or two goals are? If it's okay with you, can you read out something for us? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, and just as a preface to that, um, some days it's very specific. Some days it's very general. Um, and it, they always they always tie back to the goals that I have set for the year. Okay. Right. So um, for instance... The first, so let me also tell you the way that I set up my week, uh, this might give some context. The way I set up my week um, is that Fridays, today's Friday, right? Mm -hmm. And so Fridays are the days that I do all of my networking, uh, my communication. You and I talked about this uh, the, the other week, is that this is the day that I do all my connections with people, right? And so literally the, the number one thing or the first thing that I have on my top three today is to be all in and abundant in all of my one-on-one -on -one calls. And so, and so again, right before you and I started this call, I looked at that again and said, yep, that's the goal today. That's the focus today. That's where my head needs to be at. Um, and because I, I, I set aside Fridays to do these types of meetings, so I do podcasts or radio shows or other interviews all on Fridays, is that all of my other work that I need to do, my other goals that I have and the other contract work that I'm doing is Monday through Thursday. I'm not stressed out about getting back to that because I've set aside the time today to do this type of work. So I can be all in, I can be abundant. I'm not worried about getting to something else because I planned it and organized it to be today. So that's the first thing on there is to be all in and to be abundant. Um, and then um, another thing that I have on for today is that uh, it goes back to one of my goals as far as for my uh, the speaking business that I have is that I'm looking for some very specific tools for my website to be able to add on to it. 
Um, and so I need to do some research on that today um, and, and just look at different products and services. Um, and so again, th there's a very specific thing. Look for, do research on products and services that do this particular thing for my website. Right. And so, again, uh, I'm not saying choose one, buy it and get it added. Right. I'm understanding there's a process to that because doing all of that um, and then making that the success indicator for today would set me up for failure. But I can certainly research and think about some ideas and look at different services. And then maybe tomorrow or next week, I'll have another folks that day to actually um, implement one of those things that I researched, right? And so those are just examples um, of different things that I have. I'll share this too. You know, one of my other goals is, is this year is to have more connection and, and having connection with people. So having doing this podcast is part of that. The other connection is I shared with you, I mean, I have three kids, right? And so focusing on time with them. And so literally um, I go to their school and I have lunch with them every other week. Well, uh, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday, I went to my, with my son and Thursday, I went with my daughter, literally each one of those days, one of those top three was to be totally focused and all in with them at lunch. So that's, that's me leaving the phone in the car. That's me sitting there, turning my chair and their chair towards one another as they eat and me being all in focused, asking them questions and just being present with them in those moments. Right. And that was literally the, one of the success indicators that day, because it's important to me because it, it attaches back to the goals that I have for my life. If we take this conversation on the same lines ahead with your Dan, what's your take on as to how leaders build processes or SOPs that can run longer and efficiently? You want to share something with our listeners on that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I suppose as technology continues to emerge and grow and develop, um, you know, you're always going to be the processes and efficiencies that we're creating today are always going to um, become obsolete, I would imagine, to some degree. However, um, to create longevity in those SOPs or processes, um, for me, it's really simple. It's um, don't assume that you have all the answers. Get the team involved, <laughs> get their input, get them to uh, and then test the process, right? We have this process, we have this system, uh, we all contributed to what it's going to look like and what it should look like. Now let's go all and let's go, let's all go out and make sure that it actually works. Um, and then try to fine tune it, right? Just because we wrote it today and we wrote it once doesn't mean that it's forever now ready to go. Um, so there's an initial testing process that we need to go through to make sure that we didn't miss anything. And there needs to be consistency in going back and looking at those processes. So for me, um, once I would create a process or an SOP in various roles that I've had, um, I would have at a minimum an annual review of those, um, and, and then checking in with the individuals that are actually using those processes more than others and say, Hey, is this still applicable? <laughs> what are we missing? What needs to be added? What needs to be taken away from it? Um, and so far too often I, I've worked and maybe not so much anymore, but I've, I've in the past worked with organizations to say, okay, here's our binder of SOPs that we wrote five years ago. Um, well, let, let me tell you, especially in the, this day and age, uh, five years ago, five years is like 40 years in technology language, right? And so uh, to assume that the process that we created uh, five years ago or even a year ago is still the most efficient way to do things is, in, to me, an, an unhealthy mindset. Uh, because again, if a technology is completely changing the way that we're becoming efficient, uh, and, and, and you have to be willing to embrace that and to test technology, um, far too often, again, I, I hear uh, leaders say, um, well, we've just always done it that way. So we're going to keep doing it that way. And I love hearing that because I, I like to be the guy in the room that's saying, why? Why are we doing it that way? And uh, it's funny. You know, we all laugh at it, but it literally happens all the time in, in management meetings or team meetings where people are like, uh, I don't know. We've just always done it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so it's, it's breaking out of that kind of loop as well. And so, uh, I think for me, again, I, to answer your, uh, your question, it's, um, actually have it written down, have it documented and then have a system in place to review it consistently. Uh, so Dan, I'm going to put you in a scenario. Let's take a situation that you are running an employee organization of, let's say hundred 
Now you have to implement a CRM system. You have done your own research and everything. Now two of your most trusted immediate lieutenants, if I could put it that way, you also gave them the same task. Okay, uh, this is the software which you're looking to buy. Let me know what you think, right? Now, both of them have come back to you. One of them says it's a fabulous, a fantastic, let's implement it. The other one says it's surely not going to work for us and it will disrupt our growth. So a positive and a negative feedback. Yeah. Now, how do you move ahead? Yeah, so great question. I, um, um, well, assuming that the two people that are coming back to me are on uh, my team and they've been tasked with the role to go and find and go impl- go research and determine the best fit for us to move forward. Um, ultimately, if I've tasked them with that responsibility, um, it's real simple for me. <laughs> uh, we're all going to sit in a room. And I'm going to say, hey, you guys don't agree. Um, which I love, by the way, I love that you love it and you don't love it. Um, I love that there's two opposing views here, but we got to come to a common consensus here and you two need to figure that out and work that out, or we can work out it together, um, and have the open dialogue. But for me, it goes back to just open communication and let's talk about your pros your cons of the reasoning that we need to move forward and then understand at some point we've got to move forward with something. Hmm. Right. Um, You know, we may not agree that this is the end all for what we need. And certainly uh, most technology that I use even today and what I've used in the past, it didn't meet every need that we had. Uh, But if we can get it to 85, 90 percent of meeting the need that we have and and we believe that that's as close as we're going to get right now, then we've got to move forward because because we can get stuck on analysis forever. <laughs> uh, we, we can round table the reasons why forever, but at some point we've got to get on the same page and say, um, okay, we're all just going to move forward with this, this particular product or service or whatever it is. And by the way, um, if you don't like it, if it, you're the guy that says it's not going to work, but we all agree that it's at least getting us 90% of the way there and we're going to move forward. Well, we're not leaving this room <laughs> until you understand that uh, we're all making this work. And then the communication that's going out to the team is that we're all on the same page. Yeah. We're all moving forward with this. And it is going to be the solution that we're going to use. We're not going to have negative discussions with our team about it because really, if we're saying it's meeting 90% of our need, there's really a 10% variance there, right? And so we're saying there's only 10% of it not meeting our need. Um, So look at the 90% and say, yeah, I mean, it's going to do what we need it to do, um, but we're all going to communicate that as well, right? And so it's working it out. It's figuring it out, having, allowing people to voice their concerns, but then, dis- but then understanding that at some point we're moving forward. Thanks for sharing your insights on, on that, Dan. So as we move towards the end of our first segment, I want to ask a question. How important it is for leaders to have an aura of fear around them? You know, there are certain uh, leaders, you know, when employees look at them, they are a bit hesitant to reach out to them. They always are very aggressive, sometimes shouting, you know, it's like no nonsense kind of a shit. I'm sorry yeah, for that word. But <laughs> do you got to be a bit autocratic and democratic at the same time? Or It's like, so what's what's been your take on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think is when we sign up to be leaders. So, and, if, and by the way, if you don't look at it that from that viewpoint, or if anyone doesn't look at it from that viewpoint, I would challenge you to, to adjust the way you're looking at it. You're signing up to be a leader. You didn't just uh, get the position. Um, you now have to opt in to be a leader. Um, and so when we sign up to be leaders, um, we're signing up to um, at some times uh, get the feeling of success and accomplishment. Uh, but oftentimes we're also signing up to get the feeling of uh, the opposite of success and accomplishment, right? <laughs> the failures uh, and the hard decisions and the hard conversations. And so, but we signed up for that. And so at some point we are the individual that has to make the decisions that are going to best position the organization, the team, the stakeholders, the shareholders uh, to move forward. Because that's ultimately what we've uh, been assigned to do and that we've agreed to do. 
right? And so um, I think that when, again, when you're communicating that type of mindset to your team, it's not personal. It's, hey, uh, I value your input. I want to know what you're thinking. I want your opinions. But at the end of the day, understand that we're going to move forward with a decision that I'm going to make based on your feedback and based on your input. But ultimately, I have to make a decision. And then it's my job to get everyone on the same page and help us move forward. Like that's literally a conversation I would have with my team. Again, I, I want to remove any misunderstanding of what's happening. I'm not interested in trying to pad uh, communication. I'm not interested in making you think um, that something's happening when it's not really happening. I want you to be very honest. I used to tell my team that uh, anything and everything is on the table to discuss with the exception of very personal HR issues about employees, right? Outside of that, we can have any discussion about anything. <laughs> and so I would often... Um, Start that process, much like you were saying that experience, the leader that you had in the past, that he opened the dialogue about what was going on in your personal life, right? Well, it's one thing to say that we can talk about anything. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing for, as the leader, to actually bring up the things that people don't want to talk about, right? And so um, I constantly tried to put that those types of discussions on the table, um, again, in the effort to actually come up with solutions and to make sure that we were all rowing the same direction <laughs> uh, and that we're all on the same page. So um, to answer your question, I guess um, to some degree, you have to kind of play these different roles. But what, what has worked best for me is just being authentic and honest and direct at the same time, uh, listening um, and being willing to step back and say, you know what, I'm wrong. <laughs> That's actually a better way of doing things. And uh, I love that you even mentioned that to me. I love that you challenged me, yeah. right? Um, and you did it. And I appreciate you challenging me in the way that you did it. Um, thank you so much. And, and again, there's also the other side of it too, is that, hey, I love that you challenged me, but you're doing it in a way that actually makes me not want to listen to you. I need you to do it in a different way, <laughs> right? And so again, it's having the open dialogue with people that understand that you have their best interests at heart and that you want them to grow and succeed and develop. Uh, but right. that that takes time, that takes energy, and that takes intentionality. Great. Uh, so Dan, now let's move towards the last segment of the show, which I call the one-minute round. You'll have a minute each to answer a few of these questions which I have for you. What success means to you? Yeah, so success uh, is 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 just um, setting out. Success is really for me, as I mentioned earlier, it's a day to day process. Um, so, am I moving forward? Had I made a, a step or an inch? Am I making progress uh, towards the larger goals, towards the larger picture? Um, and ultimately every single day I want to be positioning myself to be making that progress. Um, I, I believe that um, in order to um, take large, significant uh, steps in, in progress, um, that is the sum of several small, potentially insignificant steps, right? I would much rather have small, consistent growth than massive inconsistent growth. And so it's the daily focus, the daily intentionality of moving myself closer to the, the focus that I've, I've created for myself. One book which you recommend everyone should read. Hmm. Uh, uh, well, your uh, listeners can't see, but I have a bookshelf behind me that is probably about a, uh, 5% of the actual books that I own. Um, and so, uh, that's a tough question for me. Um, I, I'll tell you one that I carry around with me and, and this might be a bit unique, but I love this book. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to break your rule and I'm going to say two books. Uh, one is, uh, th this book called a road, the road back to you. It's by Ian Cron. He talks about the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but, um, it's an assessment. It's one of the better assessments. It's one that really speaks into me, but he, his book talks about the different 
uh, numbers and what they mean. And I just love that book. And then the other book is, is my favorite author, Daniel Pink. He wrote a book called When, uh, W-H-E-N. And it really talks about uh, the intentionality around how we um, focus in on who we are and when we operate in the in, in who we actually are at our core, we can see greater success. What's happiness for you? That's real simple for me. Uh, you know, I prioritize the things that I have priority in my life. So I have three priorities in my life. Um, uh, the first priority is uh, me. <laughs> Uh, second priority is my family and third priority is everything else. And so oftentimes when I say that to people, they're like, well, how can you prioritize yourself over your family? That seems kind of selfish. It is, it is selfish. Uh, but I know that I can't be the best version of me for anyone else until I prioritize me. Uh, and so happiness for me is when I'm living in those priorities is that when I am focusing on self-development and growth, and, and that also involves physical growth, right? And being healthy and eating right and working out and, um, and listening and, and the development, the reading and all those things. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm giving time to those aspects of developing myself, again, from a mental to a physical to an emotional, to all of those areas, I can then be a better version of a husband and a father. And so, um, Happiness to me is prioritizing myself and then spending the quality time um, as the best version of me for my family and then everything else vocational wise after that. Uh, when I get that flipped and I'm focusing more on the work that I do, um, everything seems to kind of get unbalanced. But happiness for me is when I can really balance those areas um, and maybe even tip the scales with those first two priorities. The last line of your autobiography would read, he spent time with the most important people in his life, loving them, cherishing them, um, providing for them, uh, both in, in all areas of life, um, and, and looked for ways to elevate them um, and just be a great resource and value to uh, the most important people in his life. So Dan, here's the last one. Let's imagine that you are standing in a room. You are the only person in that room. It's a bit dark. The lights are dim. Now someone walks into that room. This young person is a 25-year-old person. And this is the younger version of Dan, the 25-year-old Dan. He comes and stands in front of you. He looks into your eyes and very sincerely asks you, what's the best way to live life? So what would be your answer to this 25-year-old Dan? Hmm. Best way to live life. Um, you're going to find much greater fulfillment in focusing on the people around you. Um, and helping them achieve their goals, challenging them on um, where th uh, they uh, need help uh, than you will on uh, personal achievement. <laughs> um, and so spend your time focusing on what other people need and you will always get what you need. Fantastic, Dan. It's been such an honor and a privilege talking to you, listening to you, and knowing all the incredible work which you're doing and impacting the life of thousands through your work, Dan. Totally loved our conversation today. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you so much for having me and uh, connecting with me. And I appreciate uh, this the opportunity to share and connect with you. Thanks, Dan. And what would be the best way for people to reach out to you? Two ways. Um, certainly on my website at danirvin.com. You can uh, find out more about me there and connect with me there. Um, or uh, I do a lot of work on LinkedIn. So uh, certainly connect on LinkedIn. You can look me up at Dan Irvin um, on there. I would love to connect with your audience there as well. Right. 
thanks Dan and thank you for sharing all your amazing insights and dropping bombs of <laughs> new knowledge to make our lives better. You're very welcome. I appreciate I appreciate you and appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Harmeet. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on harmeetspeaks at gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with Harmeet for all the latest updates. I'll catch up with you all next week. And yes, remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. Keep working hard, keep moving ahead and keep hustling. Because one day, your success will make all the noise. This is your host, Harmeet Singh, signing off. Goodbye.